0: Buongiorno mondo, come siete stati pazzi? Good morning, world. How have you crazy people been? Welcome to The Way It Is, the official Bobby Galensky podcast, episode 35. Episode 35. Epic. And it is Friday, Friday, the 20th of November. 2020. And uh, how are you folks? Long pause, waits, here's nothing. (laughs) Too bad it's not interactive or streaming. You know, maybe one day I will live stream this. I mean, I'm just barely trying to get it up to YouTube and rumble on video. I mean, audio, video, the video version of the audio, so to speak, um, because my crack production team up in Vallejo California has been on strike for uh, a couple of months now, big union problem. But um, I might live stream this sometime. That would, that would take a lot of guts because then I'd, oh, I'd have to react to live questions and things like that. But I, I might do it. I just might do it. In fact, I'm going to put that in my goal sheet to live stream this one time, a special holiday edition or something like that. But um, it's a great day. It is a beautiful, sunny day. Here in Bayside, Victoria. And uh, I'm feeling a bit spry because I just went to the hair salon for the first time. It's like eight months or whatever. And uh, it's feeling fresh. It's looking pretty, pretty epic. And as a narcissist, that's very, very important. I was looking a bit like a bedraggled old man this morning or yesterday morning. And I was thinking, oh God, I've got an appointment at the salon, but it's like a month away. I was thinking, oh, if only a miracle would happen. If only baby Jesus would help me. And then suddenly I had a text from the salon that there was a cancellation and I was able to get in today. So how good is that? And to top that off, what an exciting week this has been. Those mirrors that I told you about for my office, these amazing mirrors that I got from Shine Mirror um, back in July, which have been sitting, you know, in storage and in the house because of Wu flu, no one's allowed to come in and hang them up. And I have the skill set of a blind man when it comes to home building and things like that, as we all know from previous podcasts. Um, so a gentleman came in to put them up. And now these mirrors are amazing. And since I had my hair done, I can just stare at myself in the mirror all day. This is a narcissist dream, but I'm not really a narcissist. I just, we all have a bit of it in us. We all have a bit. And if we don't, then, um, why would you be listening to this podcast? I have no idea. Well, what are we going to cover today? What are we going to cover? We're not going to cover the U.S. election because that's still ongoing. Count, count, count. Dispute, dispute, dispute. So we'll uh, we'll get back to that next week, maybe, or the week after. We got till mid-December when it has to be official, when the electors go. And um, we're going to talk quite a bit about the amazing sadness of all the cities on fire in the U.S., as a result of the Republicans burning cities to the ground because they didn't like the result. It's, it's really affected me. Oh, wait, wait, you, you're not aware of that? You're looking around what cities? Oh, that's right. Republicans don't burn cities to the ground. Oh, that's right. If we lose, we just go back to work and get about our business. Earning money, raising families, doing the right thing. We don't burn our cities to the ground. But we'll update that in a few weeks too. Now, guess where I went this week? Not the hair salon, but I went to the movies as forecast last week. I went to the Hoyt's Mega Extreme Screen, you know, largest screen in the area, Chadston, with um, the Solicitor to the Stars. And we saw a tenant. Now, that's T E N E T, not The Tenant, not the Roman Polanski film, which is a pretty outstanding film. If you've never seen that, The, the Tenant is one of Polanski's best. I'm not going to see Polanski. He, he, he raped a, an underage girl and gave her coiludes. Well, he did 50 years ago, and um, that's nothing related to his talent as a director. I'm not saying he's the type of guy I'd have over as a babysitter, but it seems the uh, victim has um, forgiven him over the years, and uh, he's still been charged, and uh, they've been trying to extradite him for many, many years, so um, he may still pay a price for that um, outside of his great films, um, some bad deeds. Now, getting back to Tennant, which is from... An equally amazing director, Christopher Nolan. Uh, and Christopher Nolan has, you know, the prestige is one of my all time favorites. Uh, the Batman um, films, the, the, um, gotta say, Dunkirk. I know a lot of people weren't happy with Dunkirk, but I was absolutely enthralled with, with Dunkirk and uh, Inception. Inception's a film that you can just watch over and over and over and over and over, and over, and it just gets better, and better, and better. Now, Tenet, um, since it's been out since August, and it's been seen by everyone everywhere in the world, except in Victoria, where we've been locked down, and the cinemas were locked down, and the doors were flown open this week, so that a 735-seat cinema was chock full with um, up to 20 people, which was so weird being in there, and uh, just empty. The the biggest release is forecast for the year, but um, that's 2020 for you. The film was very good. Um, I'm still processing it. I know a lot of people felt it was even more to grasp than Interstellar and Inception combined. And, um, yeah, maybe the film makes complete sense on Christopher Nolan's hard drive and in his head, but I was boggled a bit, but I was more overwhelmed. Uh, it was like a super high tech thinking man's real thinking man, way above my level of thinking. Um, but not the solicitor to the stars who's smarter than me on this type of stuff and, and sci-fi and lives in another parallel universe. But, um, it was like the ultimate thinking man's James Bond kind of film. And um very thought-provoking, and I actually can't wait to see it again when it comes to my little screen at home, my 84-inch super high Oleg 8K Samsung Interstellar High Speed ADSL Wi-Fi Bluetooth NBN Mega Star Cluster television with the speakers that kill mice at three thousand yards. Um uh, But, but, lo and behold, not as good as the cinema. Because when you sit down in the cinema and the curtains draw open and it goes dark, oh my God, that is still such a rush for me. And the popcorn. Now, the popcorn, as I discussed on social media with the popcorn consultant Steve Fagenbaum down in... Tampa. I'm not going to Tampa with you, Florida. The popcorn situation was not like the days of yore, but it still had that smell that go, oh my God, I'm a kid again. But it was hermetically sealed, obviously for woo flu protective purposes. And then you filled up your your drink, your 99 ounce sugar-free diet Coke with as much caffeine as possible. And then you look and you go, oh, there's no lids. There's no straws, but we were directed to the payment area, the collection area, where the uh, lovely girl from Hoyt's handed me a straw, hermetically sealed, and a lid with her gloved hand, so that I was assured that those lids and straws had not been touched by someone from south australia who had recently had a uh, sexual relationship with a goat that had been exposed to a bat that had woof flu because in the past week south australia a state where nothing happens actually it's the across between the nebraska and ohio other than cleveland in the rock and roll hall of fame it's kind of nebraska and ohio Wrapped into one on the beach in Australia, but it has great wine and great food and produce. but um the uh license plates like here in uh, in here in uh Victoria, you know, on the move, it used to be you know the you know New South Wales had the premier state, the first state, and you know wander Tasmania, they always put these little cheesy NAF slogans on the license plates. Um, South Australia uh, just says, fuck all, and and people get it. Uh, Where are you from? South Australia. "Ah, Fuck all. But um, they closed their borders to us a long time ago, along with Queensland and WA, and now they've got it. Have we closed our borders to them? Not such as yet, but we have elicited warnings. Warnings not to travel to South Australia and warnings about anyone that comes there Comes across our state line. Comes across our state line. Not enough room for you, South Australians. But that is where the Penfolds winery is in the Penfolds Grange. Jim, I know you're listening. Jim wants that case of Penfold Grange. I promised promised him when I was really drunk, you know, decades ago. I said, come and get it. And I think he will. But uh, Mm -hmm. fine wines. Maggie Beer, fine produce. Um, we like Maggie Beer. One of the judges on the, uh, you know, the baking show or the cooking show, and uh, and lots of beautiful natural wonders. Beautiful natural wonders are what you say when there is nothing happening. It's like, what's that girl like? Oh, she's got a fantastic personality. Okay. What's he like? Oh, he's a just a really nice guy. Now, you already know what those two people look like. Okay, fine. Case closed. Now, we have got, uh, a, again, an action-packed show, a political free show. And I know that some of you really enjoy that. So there's no one that will be triggered, triggered by anything this week. And in fact, we're going to talk about fun things. We're going to talk about the Friends Reunion. Yes, it's happening. We're going to talk about Michael Bay's pandemic film. Yes, it's done. We're going to talk about what I think is going to be the the film of all films for um, this coming season, Mank. And we're going to talk about who's headlining the Super Bowl in 2021. The Super Bowl, do they still play football? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And my Las Vegas Raiders, mine, mine, me, mine, me, 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 mine. My Las Vegas Raiders going into this week are six and three. They're going to be a contender. Just like my, me, me, my Carlton football club here in Australia, which is the AFL, um, could get a flag in the next year or two. I finally got, I finally got high hopes. I've got, I've got hope. Um, and my stepson, who is an authority on all things Carlton, has told me that my my hope is not not ill-founded and that there is some veracity to to my claims of joy because uh, I have had no joy in football here. When I first came here in 1994, there was like only three stations, TV stations, so you couldn't watch the NFL, what they call gridiron. Couldn't watch the NFL until taped replays days later, if they even replayed a game. And um, you couldn't even get it in the newspaper. You couldn't get it in the newspaper. It was like two days later, this is 1994, you'd find out about your team. And, you know, lo and behold, this is from people from the U.S. that would call and go, oh, I know that Australia's ahead of us. It's 18 hours into the future. Can you tell us what the, the Raiders 49ers score is going to be? That hasn't been played yet because you're in the future. Oh, God. I swear to God, any God, well, not Muhammad, but um, any God, your God, my God, I know people that believe that. I know Americans and Canadians that believe that. They know the toilet flushes counterclockwise as opposed to clockwise because of the equator and uh, south of the equator and the South Pole and the magnetic forces that pull the water down the toilet. And yes, we all go to the toilet and flush and look when we land in Sydney after a trip from the Northern Hemisphere, it's okay. And we all know that the uh, sun still rises and sets and we all still know that the seasons are opposite. So here we're coming into hot summer, whereas up in the Northern Hemisphere, you're coming into lockdown and winter, (laughs) which we'll talk about. That's actually quite sad. Winter's beautiful, lockdown's not. And we will also be talking about amazing things in science, about how the brain forms sensory memories, and continuing our epic story of the Hollywood con queen, part two. Leader. ...died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. My firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. You should know that one by heart by now. Okay, it's a, it's a bit of a test. It's a bit of a test, the Listener's Choice Award. What does FDR's quote say? The only thing you have to fear is fear itself. And speaking of the Listener's Choice Award, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all your votes, your many votes. And um, we'll be hearing from the Australian Podcast Awards very soon. And I hope I won, which means we won. And if not, we're going to find out who won. I'll dissect the politics in it. And then we will dox them and destroy them for next year. So thank you so much. And if uh, you haven't vote, voted yet, um, unlike in the States, it's too late. Now on this day in history, November 20th, let's go back to the year 284. And I think it was probably a Friday. It felt like a Friday. Roman soldier Diocletian proclaimed emperor by the army. Don't know much about Diocletian. i have to look it up. Um, don't know if he had a long career. Uh, I suspect not back then. And then we jump ahead to the year seven sixty two, where Bugu, Khan of the Uyghurs, conquers Luoyang, capital of the Chinese Empire. Now we know that the Uyghurs are doing it a bit tough these days. Um they may have uh led the charge back in seven sixty two, but the uh, communist char communist party, Chinese Communist Party, uh has been putting down the herd on them of late, but uh, not much we can do about it. Not much we can do. That's a war we can't send soldiers in for. Well, let's jump a century. 1695, Zumbi, who must have been the creator of the exercise, but was changed to Zumba centuries later. Zumbi, the last king of the Quilombo do Palmares in early Brazil and an ex-slave, is executed and decapitated his head displayed on a pike to dispel any legends of his immortality. Well, I guess that would work. Um, I think they should have done that with Jeremy Corbyn. Most definitely put Jeremy Corbyn's head on a pike because he was expelled from the Labour Party in the UK weeks ago and now was just reinstated today the most horrible terrorist sympathizer, IRA manic, anti-Semitic piece of detritus. Horrible person let back in the Labour Party and already there's been defections from the Labour Party. Um whew, they got they got problems there in the UK. Boris has got his hands full. Boris has got his hands full. I wish I wish them well there as they head back into head back into lockdown. I just can't tolerate people that are open anti Semitics and terrorist sympathizers. Sorry, uh there's no playing nice with them. Well, let's move forward to eighteen fifteen the Second Treaty of Paris. Not the Paris peace talks with Henry Kissinger. Not the Paris Climate Accord, which former prime minister, what a mistake. Kevin Rudd um, had his big petition, which was discovered in the Australian newspaper, of having thousands and thousands of fake bot signatures on it. Way to go, Kev, um, to join the Climate Peace Accord and Tear apart the Murdoch family and News Limited and all that. But the second Treaty of Paris, where France and her allies agreed that France will pay indemnities after the Battle of Waterloo, ending the Napoleonic Wars. That's fair enough. Germany had to pay some reparations, not enough. We are not going to pay reparations for slavery, for things that happened. 200 years ago so if you've been following that and you think that's going to be happening in the u.s or you think that there's going to be reparations um for the stolen generation here in australia um wish in one hand and uh spit in the other and then see which happens first because uh that ain't going to be happening on this man's watch now is he racist no you don't pay reparations to things three generations ago that you had nothing to do with. 1986, the World Health Organization announced its first global effort to combat AIDS. It's a good thing. The World Health Organization knowing nothing these days, but that was a good thing, that was a good thing. And um, how the narrative changed around AIDS from the 80s to the 90s to the present. Now, in film and TV, on this day in 1983, 100 million people watched the ABC TV movie The Day After, which was about nuclear war, which was actually not a bad film. 100 million people more than voted for Joe Biden. I can tell you that. Oh, no, stop that. No politics. Okay, sorry, sorry. More than voted for President Trump. Okay, there, we're even. And more than voted for Kenya West. Kenya. Yee, yee. Even his own wife didn't vote for him. But he got some votes. Anyway, good on him. November 20th, on this day in music, in 1805, Ludwig van Beethoven's Ludwig van Fidelio, his only opera, premiered in Vienna. And in sport, 1902, Géo Lefebvre and Henri Desrange created the Tour de France bicycle race. Now I quite like the Tour de France. I think it's quite engaging. Um, I bicycle uh, recreationally with my wife. We've got some groovy touring bikes and I like bicycles. I don't like the packs of bicycles that we have here on the roads. I don't know if that in in your town or your neighborhood in the US, the UK, Italy, France, Brazil, Uruguay, um, Hungary, China, uh, Hong Kong, wherever you are, do you have big bicycle packs that come out on weekends and absolutely dominate the road? See, you're only supposed to be two abreast here, two abreast, and sometimes they go four, six, eight abreast at certain areas along the beach road and just create havoc. And there's been a lot of what we call aggro here in Australia, a lot of aggro, aggravation about bicycles versus cars, because bicycles think they have an equal right on the road. And from a theoretical perspective, they do. They do have the right to the road. However, since they're not registered, they pay no taxes. They have no licensing, and there is no way to track or trace them if they commit any infractions or infringements or big crimes or worse as a licensed driver who pays registration in road tax and all the other myriad of things that come to you almost i think it's like a thousand dollars a year here in victoria it doesn't matter if you have a car worth ten dollars or a car worth 10 million you pretty much spend the same here uh i think in california from memory it went by weight of the vehicle in a combination of weight and retail price so if the car cost a bit more yeah you paid a bit more tax and if the vehicle weighed a lot like a truck then obviously it committed more wear and tear on the highway so that made sense from a repair and infrastructural standpoint and uh, without, you know, being, you know, too much hyperbole, well, you know, you, you, you play, you, pray, you you pay. So um, here it's just, you know, you pay. We got a lot of taxes in Victoria. got a lot of taxes in uh, Australia. In uh, fact, they used to charge you, uh, when I first moved here in New South Wales, they used to charge you a deposit tax. When you're putting money into your account, Charge you a deposit tax, go figure. Um, this is the country where they have leave loading also. When uh, people go away on holidays, you actually have to pay them extra to go away on holidays. I, I'm going to talk about that at length at one time. Um, that is the most parallel universe insane thing ever. So, um, last but not least, a couple of famous birthdays. A couple of famous birthdays. Edwin Hubble. The Hubble Telescope. Everyone knows the Hubble Telescope, and we all remember the only person, the only person who could be labeled responsible for the 1990 fiasco when operators discovered that the Hubble Space Telescope's observatory's primary mirror had an aberration that affected the clarity of the telescope's early images. The result was a mirror with an aberration one. 50th the thickness of a human hair and the grinding of the mirror which caused it to be giving backwards images and the person who created the final test and signed off on it was a woman not that that's important but i just think it's funny (laughs) and we let a woman go out in space sally ride what does she do she blows up the thing come on girls Come on, ladies. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> I'm going to get some emails for this one. I got some emails on the we let you vote and drive. Well, check out Space. And other birthdays, strangely enough, on the same day, Robert F. Kennedy, 1925, born. Joe Biden, 1833, born. Perhaps Joe Biden should take a visit to the Ambassador Ballroom and walk through the kitchen like Robert Kennedy, just for old time's sake. And that was today in history. History. Well, that's it. Let's bring it up to the present. Also later in the show, we'll be talking about in podcaster, or where's the Japanese invasion again. I do have a, a preoccupation with Japanese things, with food and fashion and whiskey and, and other things, and uh, it just kind of came full circle again this week. And we might really get a chance to speak about Gretsch guitars too, which I keep trying to get to, but uh, the time just keeps escaping me. However, however, lo and behold couple of milestones this week. Uh, Disney+, Plus, the premium video on demand subscriptions, hit 75 million. 75 million people signed up for that sucker, Um, which is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Also, we were able to get the inimitable, incorrigible Jack Dorsey of Twitter in front of the Indefatigable, unstoppable Ted Cruz missile in the us Senate for in uh, interrogatory, so to speak, and in an interrogation, a little bit of an interrogation. and uh, man Ted Cruz tore him apart on what he's been doing on Twitter and censoring conservatives and censoring anything he doesn't like and trying to affect the election and uh, actually, apologizing a bit, being a slight bit contrite, saying, oh, yeah, it was a little bit of a mistake that we censored anything negative, anything negative that we didn't like about uh, Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or whatever um, after the formal election. So to be continued on that and Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook too. Have if you ever noticed, it'll be in the show notes. If you look at a picture of Mark Zuckerberg at Madame Tussaud's Wax Museum, and look at the picture of him in real life, the the image at Madame Tussaud's Wax Museum looks actually more human and realistic than he does, um, which is frightening. I mean, it he's he's kind of become a bot. He he looks like an android. It's a really strange transformation. Not as strange as the transformation of Michael Jackson over the last decade of his life, but um, pretty, pretty close in my humble, humble opinion. Now, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is coming. And uh, for those of you that are not in the U.S., perhaps you don't even know what the Super Bowl is. Well, the Super Bowl is the championship of the National Football League in the United States. And uh, those of us in Australia here that uh, a lot of people are liking to watch it. A lot of people are liking to watch it. And um, the Australian Football League is great here. The AFL, which they kind of call aerial ping pong uh, rugby fans because they think it's um, just a lot of kicking in the air and stuff like that. But it's mega athletic. I actually have come to love the AFL. And uh, it's fast. And these guys are on the field, offense and defense, running their asses off. And they are extremely fit, as opposed to gridiron in the U.S., which is a very specialized, almost like a chess game form of uh, football, because you have massive offensive linesmen, you know, like the the rooks and the knights. And uh, then you've got, uh, you know, your, your basic blockers and stuff like that that are the pawns. Stuff. And then you've got the king and the queen, you know, the quarterback and, the, and your best running back or wide receiver. It's, um, it's, I think, tactically more advanced and more sophisticated than the AFL. And you also have crippling, life-ending, career-destroying hits in the NFL, which is fantastic. Uh, unless you're on the receiving end, of course. And they used to have that here in the AFL. When I came here in 94... There were some players here that, um, um, Gary Ablett Sr., um, Dermot Brereton, uh, players that um, were absolute annihilators, fantastic players that hit so hard. And you go, oh, my God, and they're wearing no pants. Just little shorts and, and you know, shirts and stuff like that. And just the hits were amazing. You go, wow. And they would take the hit too. They, you know, take the hit, get get a concussion, come back in and play. Whereas in the NFL, you've got the, the pads and the jerseys and the helmet and you know all of that. But uh, it's kind of lightened up here. It's becoming a little bit of a girls' game that you can't hit so hard and you can't spear and things like that. In fact, it's literally become a girls' game because you have the uh, AFLW, the Australian Football League Women's League, and uh, they're letting the girls play. And some of these girls are pretty great. They're pretty amazing, so I kid you not. Um, But they're just not quite as exciting as the men, but they're a bit more affordable. Entrance is free. Free as a bird, free like you'll feel after the mighty, mighty, mighty sounds of the theremin. Take it away. How soothing was that? Science bitches! Science bitches and science news from the inside out this week, courtesy of Max Planck Gesellschaft. From the inside out, how the brain forms sensory memories. I'll bet you're thinking as you're listening to this that, the, you know, the brain encodes information collected by our senses. However, to perceive our environment and to constructively interact with it, how the fuck are these sensory signals getting to be interpreted really contextually because of our previous experiences and through current aims? Well, in the current issue of Science, a team of scientists led by Dr. Johannes Letzkus, research group leader at the Max Planck Institute for Brain Research, sounds like a big knob, has identified a key source of this experience, dependent top-down information. Well, you've all heard of the neocortex? Not like Neo from The Matrix, but the neocortex. It's the largest area of the human brain. It has expanded and differentiated enormously during mammalian evolution. If I started a new rock band, I'd call it mammalian evolution. And it is thought to mediate many of the capacities that distinguish humans from their closest relatives, such as apes, dinosaurs, and liberals. Anyway, moreover, dysfunctions of this area also play a central role in many psychiatric disorders. (laughs) Kill, 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 kill. Jason, 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 All higher cognitive functions of the neocortex are enabled by bringing together two, that's d, that's zwei, two distinct streams of information, a bottom-up stream carrying signals from the surrounding environment, and a, you guessed it, top-down stream that transmits internally generated information encoding our previous experiences and current aims. Decades of investigation have elucidated how sensory inputs from the environment are processed. However, And this is a big, however, our knowledge of internally generated information is still in its infancy. This is one of the biggest gaps in our understanding of higher brain functions, like sensory, like speech therapy, like sensory perception, says Litskus. This motivated the team to search for the sources of these top-down signals. I always love it in science where there's some extremely obtuse, bizarre, obscure thing that, you know, the team gets together and goes, hmm. Hmm. She ran a red light, was hit by a truck, cut in half, landed sixty-three feet from the vehicle, but her blood spattered in somewhat of an oblique manner, inconsistent with normal collision. I wonder what that is, and I wonder what blood type she is. That's the type of thing that this, you know these teams get down to. So the team was motivated. Previous work by us and many other scientists, he quoted, had suggested that the topmost layer of neocortex, which, remember, is the largest area of the human brain, is likely a key site that receives inputs carrying top-down information. Taking this as a starting point allowed us to identify a region of the thalamus, a brain area embedded deep within the forebrain, as a key candidate source of such internal information. Hmm. Interesting. Now, motivated by these observations, yes, there was a point to this story. Dr. M. Belin Paradis, the first author of the study in post-doctoral research in the Lipschitz lab, devised an innovative approach that enabled her, her, oh, better be careful, she measures something wrong, her, she, her, it, to measure the responses of single thalamic Synapses in mouse neocortex, mousey, mouse, before and after a learning paradigm. Why do they experiment on mice? Why don't they experiment on, you know, people that are in Antifa that are arrested, and incarcerated? Why don't they do experiments on them? I think uh, Mengele I think Mengele had his had his attributes. He just chose the wrong people. Party remembers. Whereas neutral stimuli without relevance. Were encoded by small and transient responses in this pathway. Learning strongly boosted their activity and made the signals both faster and more sustained over time. Now, you know what that suggests? That suggests that the thalamic synapses in neocortex encode the previous experiment of the animal. Well, there you go. We were really convinced this is the case when we compared the strength of the acquired memory with the change in thalamic activity. In short, lo and behold, wrapping this up in single English, this reveals the strong positive correlation indicating that inputs from the thalamus prominently encode the learned behavioral relevance of stimuli but is this mechanism selective? No, 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 no. Sensory stimuli can be relevant because of what we have learned to associate with themselves. Now, for instance, the louder sounds are more readily recruited attention in humans and animals. Like if I go, ah, I've got your attention. Louder sounds, more attention. Softer sounds. However, it's a low-level function that has little to do with previous experience. In fact, quote, intriguingly, we found many different, indeed opposite, encoding systems and mechanisms for this bottom-up form of relevance, said Party. Well, in closing, these results reveal the thalamic inputs to sensory neocortex, once again, biggest area of the brain, as the key source of information about past experiences that have been associated with sensory stimuli. Such top-down signals are perturbed, ooh, perturbed, in a number of brain disorders like autism, Rain Man, and schizophrenia, and our hope that the present findings will also enable a deeper, deeper understanding of the maladaptive changes that underlie these severe Conditions of maladaptive changes. Now, to put that into common use as an analogy or an axiomatic mutation of the story in real. Um, when I was actually working at Euro Disney during my stint at Disney for a short period of time, um, speaking of reacting to loud noises and negativity, and retaining the neural pathways and the, the memories of the experiences, good and bad. Um, I love the French people. I love France. I love Paris. And for a while, for a while, while working at Disney, at the beginning, not at the end, it's like a relationship. It's always good at the beginning, never at the end. Um, I found it quite challenging and difficult. And one of the problems was that Disney had promised in early days that Euro Disney would be entirely staffed by the French And um, after a number of years, it had like, you know, four French employees and 10,000 others. But uh, it was adversarial, and the uh, managing director was not a happy man. We'll leave his name alone for right now because he's still alive, Um, regrettably. But um, I also, as you can tell from my French pronunciations of words and authors from time to time, had zero command of the French language. And uh, when my stint, my brief stint ended there and I was returning to the UK on my short flight, this having predated the channel and the the, uh, train from Paris to London, I uh, took a short flight, British Airways flight from Paris back to London and then was going back en route into the States. However, on that short first flight, I was so happy to be out of Paris and um, my synapses, my neurocortex, was just, you know, blowing with memories, not cheerful. I tried the it with quite a few drinks on that very, 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 very short flight, such that when I landed at Heathrow, I walked up to the service desk, and where the very prim and proper gate agent was there to greet me. And I slurred in my best possible English Excuse me, do you speak English, having only heard French for the past few months? And she looked at me, didn't crack a smile, and officially responded, You're in London, sir. We invented it. That was a hard one The to top. And a real eye-opener, and sobered me up immediately. So, we can see that these top-down and different types of memories are embedded in us and we may react we might be perturbed and we might be tending to act predictably from stimuli that might not be active anymore there you go and that was science Bitches. i do love that episode each week because i hope it just appeals to a few people out there, because science is important. Science is important. That's what climate change maniacs say. It's the science. Well, no, it's one part of the science. It's one side of it. It's the theory. There's always two sides. Anyway, moving on from there. I promised you I'd talk about the weekend. Not not The weekend. The weekend. The weekend. The weekend. You know that Pepsi, the NFL, and Rock Nation have announced that The Weeknd will perform during the Pepsi Super Bowl halftime show on CBS, bad station, at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, Florida, on Sunday, February 7th, 2021. Now, a lot of you that aren't from the area not from Florida might wonder, well, who is Raymond James? Who is Ray? Well, Raymond James Financials is an American multinational independent investment bank and financial services company providing financial services to individuals, corporations, and municipalities. Well, isn't that exciting? Well, I guess it could be if they lent you money. But um, it's an odd name for a stadium. But obviously, they put up the big bucks to have their names on it. I really, you know no, uh, aspersion to the Raymond James, but it just bugs me that you have to have all these, you know, sponsorship names on stadiums. So, uh, the, the weekend is pretty epic. The weekend is, um, you know, 45 platinum and singles and albums over the past decade. And one of the biggest albums of 2020 after hours. And he dated, uh, Bella Hadid, it was Gigi or Bella, I think it was Bella, one of the two Hadid sisters, the epic supermodels, dated her on and off, and uh, he um, got his big break when he performed at the Victoria's Secret live show a number of years ago, which was um, pretty outstanding. And um, speaking of Victoria's Secret... So, you finally arrived. What the hell are you wearing? It's my ass-kicking outfit, bitch! Well, I won't be wearing the same things that the Victoria's Secret models wear. Um, And it's not for lack of my physicality, thank you. It's um, for uh, ownership of my masculinity and humanity. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. But uh, unlike Harry Styles, I won't be dressing up in a dress. And, uh... I don't know, just not my thing. Just not my thing. But what am I wearing? Well, I am uh, back with the Japanese invasion, wearing a Y three jacket, which um, I got about twelve years ago in Los Angeles at Sunset Plaza, and uh, it's a collaboration between Yoji Yamamoto, amazing, amazing Japanese designer who I profiled some podcasts ago in his collaboration with Comme des Garçons. Uh, He has his own label, Yoji Yamamoto, but uh, he collaborated with Adidas or Adidas, if you will. I know it was named after Adidasler, Um, but call it Adidas in the States and uh, just a groovy little black jacket that uh, had for a dozen years and it just, uh, you know, it will last forever. Absolutely love it. And strangely enough, my Y3 sneakers black and white sneakers, which also got many years ago. It just lasts and lasts and lasts. Um, just, uh, was feeling Japanese this morning. What can I say? What can I say? And missing my friend Nobu, the amazing barista who, um, used to run super random up the street, super random. I still my favorite coffee place of choice here in the n- immediate sort of neighborhood. And, uh, Nobu is back in Japan making amazing creations. And you, uh, you should follow him on Instagram. He's pretty cool. And he won the Coffee Art Awards in Australia some years ago, I think. So uh, coffee art, you know, the little designs in the top of the coffee, which, uh, in the froth, which I suppose if Picasso was alive today making lattes, he'd get up to that. Now, before I go much further, I do want to go back to the past. And by the past, I mean last week when we talked about the Hollywood con queen. And um, I kind of gave you the intro of how this person uh, cajoled a photographer out of a great deal of money and said we'd continue that today. So part two, um, the, the, the imposter. Uh, and if you missed last week, by, go, by all means, go back and uh, check it out. And it's about uh, a woman or series of women who have impersonated Hollywood studio heads and famous directors, actresses, and executives to bilk zillions of, peop- of dollars, out of people. And the people being impersonated are a who's who of Hollywood, as well as high net worth individuals in New York, says Nicoletta Katsianis, who's a K2 intelligence investigator who has been tracking the scammers for months. It's quite horribly upsetting that someone is making promises and behaving, behaving badly in your name, adds Linda Glatter, who was impersonated at least a dozen times between the spring of 27 and today. It would go quiet. I'd think it was over and it would all start again. Again, this from Scott Johnson at the Hollywood Reporter. So the imposter works or imposters work by using a combination of deceit, charm and intimidation to manipulate their marks. The victims almost invariably travel to Indonesia on a promise of work. And once they're are asked to hand over relatively modest amounts of money at a time, up to three grand in some cases, to cover expenses like, you know, car travel, translation tour guides, and fixers. A designated Indonesian money man arrives on a moped to collect the funds. Needless to say, the promised reimbursements never arrive. Over time, these small sums add up, all told. Hundreds of thousands of dollars have been collectively stolen this way. And even if they're bringing in 300 grand a year, that's a huge amount of money in Indonesia, says Kutsianis, who believes the same group is behind all the cases. Now, at the center of the organization, the impersonator. A woman whose sophisticated research, skilled with accents, and deft psychological and emotional manipulation have earned her the begrudging respect of her victims and trackers. K2, the investigation firm, K2 investigators believe the woman is the quote-unquote talent of the operation that, while relatively small, may have legs, unlike Heather Mills, on at least three continents, including the USA, Asia, and Europe. The victims come from all over the UK, Europe, and the US, primarily and represent a wide swath of creative industries. Hairstylists, stuntmen, military advisors, photographers, and cinematographers. Now, The Hollywood Reporter has obtained two separate audio recordings of the woman's voice, which previously has never been publicly disclosed. Both of the tapes date from an earlier incarnation of the scam when the imposter was targeting makeup artists in the UK at the end of 2015 and early 2016. See, this has been going on for almost five years. In one, she spinks in a distinctive American twang, a flat, almost nasal intonation, berating her in her. in this case a victim's agent, about a missed flight. To be blunt with you, when I travel internationally, I use this number, she says, exasperated, the number can be reached. it was registered ten years ago, okay, and in the second, she adopts a convincing British accent. These tapes predate the imposter's incursion into Hollywood proper, but the methods on display remain the same according to the victims. Now I've put the links up in the show notes, courtesy of the Hollywood reporter, and uh, have a listen if you like. um have a listen if you don't like it's quite amazing. And see if you can discern if it's the same person doing all these different as- accents and stuff like that. So get the picture. You're a Hollywood creative. You're not making a lot of money. You're on the second tier. You're on the third tier. And you get a call from a top, top, top studio executive, female, who wants to do work with you and knows all about you. You know, your excitement, your chuffability, your arrogance, your narcissism, your want to believe, your desire as a creative, get you sucked into this. Get you sucked into this immediately. The woman comes across as intense, intelligent, and authoritative, and her rapid-fire speech is delivered smoothly and without any hint of deception. Much like this podcast, this woman learns everything there is to know about her targets, says Kotzianis. She tweaks her voice and accent and sounds like who she's impersonating, and that's why she's been able to fool as many people as she says. The photographer eventually compared her voice to publicly available recordings of the real Amy Pascal. He found them to be eerily similar, a blend of New York and Midwestern accents. The only thing missing was the slight lisp of the real Pascal. Uh, We will continue on with that a little bit further, and it gets weirder and weirder and weirder, and then a creepy offshoot of another female, yes, female, impersonator, not a female impersonator, but a female impersonator, punctuation counts, who's been scamming the hotels and businesses of New York for millions. (laughs) feel entertained. I hope you're feeling entertained as we talk about this amazing Hollywood con queen, but we have other entertaining things to do. And since you're my friends, you're my very, 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 very good friends. I thought we'd talk about friends. What kind of friends? Well, you know, Jennifer Aniston, Matthew Perry, you know, real friends, because Matthew Perry says the cast is scheduled to come back together finally for that HBO Max special in March. 2021 could be the one with the Friends reunion special, an exclusive given to Rick Porter of The Hollywood Reporter. Now, sources say, and Matthew Matthew Perry tweeted Thursday, that the HBO Max special, which has been delayed for months months due to the woo flu pandemic is set to film in March. That would put the show on track to air in the Northern Spring. And sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that while plans are still being finalized, the goal is to film the reunion special in the first part of the new year. Now, are you excited? I'm excited. Who didn't like Friends? Actually, if you didn't like Friends, email me. And I'll put you on a list. But the reunion special had received a formal green light back in February of this year. It was originally set to film way back in March until the wooflo came and uh, people, you know, and the bats, the bats. And uh, no more Friends special. But that's coming. It is coming and it is a real deal. Also... Also, this excites me because I love Michael Bay. Um, Michael Bay, Pearl Harbor, The Rock. Welcome to The Rock in places in films like that. His pandemic movie Songbird has a premium video on demand release. And it's the first real COVID movie. The movie was shot in LA during the pandemic. And it takes place two years in the future in which COVID-23, not COVID-19, Got it? Got it? That's four more evolutions and mutations for um, my liberal friends out there. COVID-23 now wrecks havoc on the world by attacking the brain. Infected Americans are forced into quarantine camps called Q-Zones. Probably a good idea. While some fight back against these brutal restrictions. And amid this backdrop is the budding love story between a motorbike courier named Nico, played by KJ Appa, who has rare immunity? And Sarah Sophia Carson, a young artist who was believed to be infected. Craig Robinson, Bradley Whitford, Peter Stormare, my look-alike, Alexandra Daddario, Paul Walter Hauser, and Demi Moore, also star in the movie from director Adam Mason, who doesn't like a good Michael Bay film. Bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Man, I've got to reawaken my singing career. Like Mark Hendricks. I've waited all these years. Why can't I? Um, Let me think. Because I don't have any fucking singing talent. Okay, I can handle that. So, that's pretty much bringing you up to date. Except for a little bit of the business end of the cinemas. The business end of the cinemas. And that is for us to talk about, yes... Cinemark. Now, you know that the movie business has been my business for so long, so I think it's important to talk about this. And that's everything you need to know about Universal Studios and Cinemark's early video on demand deal, um, brought to us by Rebecca Rubin at Variety. On Monday, this last week, Universal Pictures gave theater owners another shove towards the future of movie going or not movie going, as the Hollywood studios struck a second deal with a major theater chain, this time Cinemark, to shorten the theatrical window and bring movies more quickly to the home. Under the new agreement terms, Universal can put new movies on premium video-on-demand platforms in as little as 17 days. It used to be nine months, then it went to six months, then it went to four months. Now it's 17 days. Films that generate at least 50 million U.S. in opening weekend ticket sales, however, not many of those, will have to play exclusively in theaters for 31 days or five full weekends. And traditionally, new releases remain on the big screen for 75 to 90 days before they move off to digital platforms for a 1999 rental fee. Now, Having Cinemark and AMC theaters on board now means that two of the biggest movie theater chains in the U.S. have resigned themselves to the fact that the film industry will look very, very different when the world emerges from the Wu flu pandemic. Is it the final nail in the coffin for theaters? How soon can audiences watch the next Fast and Furious 19 sequel at home? Well, who knows? How did they land on that 17 or 31 days? Well, for the most part, studios and theater owners can tell pretty, pretty quickly if a film will be commercially successful. There's always exceptions. The Greatest Showman, which took a long time, but movies generate most of their ticket sales within the first few weeks. What if a movie makes $49 million, not $50 million? Does that mean it'll move on demand in three weeks? Maybe, but highly unlikely. Universal doesn't have to put the movie into digital early, but these deals provide flexibility. So if the film's hitting near 50 million in one weekend, it's a good indication people want to see it in theaters. It, it's 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 just amazing. You know, no matter how good your home cinema is, there's just nothing like seeing it in the cinema. Now, bottom line, can a movie even make 50 million in a weekend during coronavirus? good question, considering only half of U.S. theaters are currently open and operating at reduced capacity. So this is just a little bit of a heads up on what's going on in your life in cinemas in the U.S. and then eventually around the world. Regal Cinemas will probably be next. Um, And theaters are agreeing to it now because the pandemic has crippled and, and nearly bankrupted the exhibition industry. It's uh, it's the end of the world for the big cinema, cinemas, as we used to know it, and um, so now big question: Well, can Jurassic World, Dominion, and No Time to Die come out already? Um, no, not just yet. Even with their shiny new deals with AMC and Cinemark, releasing a potentially mm billion dollar movie still doesn't make sense in the middle of a pandemic. Hence, they're waiting. They're waiting. Waiting for Gatto. And that's why we're seeing smaller movies like the body swap thriller Freaky and the Western drama Let Him Go open in theaters while the sequel to Jurassic World moved to 2022. Isla Nubar beckons. So, Get the best TV and sound system you can for your house. No need to feed the kids. No need to feed the kids. Wife doesn't need jewelry. You don't need a new car. Um, oh, that sounded a bit misogynist. But if you're the, the breadwinner and you're the woman? Well, the husband doesn't need new jewelry. Um, You don't need a new car. Don't need to upgrade. Just need to have the best cinema system you can because you can say adios. Arrivederci, hasta luego, to the theaters as we know them. Sad, sad, sad. Now, we wouldn't want to wrap up a show, a nice short, brief, quick, zippy show like this, politics-free show, pretty much, without calling out some special, special service. Well, let me give you some special service. Um, several weeks ago, we got a letter from our electricity provider, who I will not name, but it wouldn't be hard to figure out, saying that, oh my God, on Friday the 13th, last Friday, that we wouldn't have any power from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. And, you know, you got to, you know, discharge everything. You've got to shut off the power points. You got to protect your computers. You got to make sure your freezer and your fridge are as cold as they'll go and, you know, put food in a cooler, if you're going to open the fridge and stuff a lot, you won't have lights. you won't have power, you won't have anything, uh, your garage won't open, the gates won't open, you know, despite everything you can think, think of, you know, third world country or, you know, South Australia or California on any given day, but this is Victoria. And, uh, you know, all the businesses in the street had to close and stuff like that. Well, lo and behold, guess what? It wasn't for our side of the street they were doing the work on. It turned out that my little favorite coffee shop up the road got a visit from one of the little electricity men. He actually wasn't so little. You know, they come in big sizes. And he came for a coffee just before they closed and go, oh, you don't need the clothes. We're actually doing the other side of the street. So only about, you know, quarter million houses and businesses had to um, make arrangements because of that and that's just the way it is here in australia and in the world and i like to call out great service and excellence there ain't a lot of it going on right now with the energy companies but i've got electricity right now because if i didn't wouldn't be able to do this podcast and on that note I shall be grateful, even though that company had one job, and even though our stock exchange, the ASX, the other day had one job and it crashed. But I have to be honest with you, too, because uh, I had one job last week. Well, more than that, but I had this podcast and I was busted. On Friday morning, very, very early, I was up at the club at Kooyong getting ready for a gym and a swim. And um, the wonderful Patrice there cornered me and said, oh, I thought you'd be doing your podcast now. And I had to say, I'd already released it because I had to record it the night before because I thought the power was going to be out that morning. So I figure I can't just be honest with one person. So yes, last Friday, the 13th podcast, although it was released in the morning of the 13th, was actually recorded on the night of the 12th. I know this is it. It's it's like discovering fake election ballots and stuff like that, but I just wanted you to know it's been bothering me all week and that's because of that fucking electric company. Lay the blame, lay the blame. But you know what? I couldn't let you down. I've got your back. So on that note, Whew, got that off my back. I feel better. Don't you? You knew something was wrong. No, you didn't. You're smart, but you're not that smart. Although you are the smartest audience in the world, let me tell you that. Now, next week, continuing the Hollywood con queen, part three, and it gets into the heavy sex and drugs. It's worth waiting for, as sex and drugs always are. The uh, in a story, of course, um, into the crown. We're into The Crown, season four, and there's some aberrations there and some inaccuracies and some licenses that need to be discussed, some amazing booze, some cryptic foods, some sick stories, I mean, a couple of really sick stories, and uh, women's clothing, not for me, but for you, as I go into my wife's closet. Well, as I go into my wife's closet to talk about a couple of amazing things that tie into previous sartorial reviews that we have had so don't forget to subscribe the way that's b l u b r r y the way it is check out the show notes the uh, show notes is the newsletter and it's got all the links and great pictures and groovy things there and you can leave comments as long as you're nice so as we head into the hot hot summer and you head into the cold cold winter on other parts of the world And we keep counting the votes. Have an amazing week. Mercury is turning direct, and it's all happening as we run up to Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, and what have you. Don't forget to download our amazing paint-by-number join Cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad online. You can have lots of fun, and you'll meet lots of unexpected friends. Ali Akbar. Have a good week. Bye-bye.